1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. The problem with Bible stories is that we have heard them many times, or we have not heard them, but still they're just stories. And we fail to make the connection between our actual life and what the story is telling us. We have an ability as Americans to very tightly compartmentalize so we could watch any number of movies or TV shows where there is drama, anger, bitterness, murder, rape. You can watch all kinds of things. Walk out of the theater, get your head cleared, and you're back on course. You're back in your real life. We're studying out of the book of John. The gospel of John goes into the underside, to the truth, to the real-life connection. It's not just a story. Jesus is trying to tell us something through John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all wonderful Gospels, synoptic Gospels. John is not a synoptic Gospel. He's trying to connect us to something real, Part of what I'm seeing happen, particularly in the younger people across America, is that there is a great interest in backpacking and camping. There's a a great interest of living in vans, cars, traveling. They're searching. And many of them end up worshiping nature because they have not found something in this world that they want to tie to. They don't find a spouse they want to tie to, or perhaps they do, and that person is also questing, searching, looking. I want to tell you a story today. It'll be a story you've heard before, but I suspect when we get to the application, it could be, Pretty uncomfortable for you. So just a heads up. The word of God cuts right to the core. Television, movies, books, novels, they don't cut right to the core. Wandering across the country. Searching. It's the expression of a lonely, empty heart that they choose not to fill with the foolishness of American culture. Now, some are searching, but they are searching for the next YouTube, or they're searching for the next TikTok. They're searching for foolishness, not for life. This has affected all of us. Some of you are just working for lifestyle. You want enough money to be able with your wife to have a house and a picket fence around it, the happy fence. You want to be happy. You wanna you wanna be able to go on vacations. You want to be able to live your life. Well listen to this story. It's found in the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. Now there's another perspective you need to Hold in your mind as we look at this story, and that is that we are standing facing the end of this world. Let's not play games. A nuclear holocaust would burn you to death, and we will see cities who will disappear in a mushroom cloud. We will see banks collapse. We will see the economy totally die and many of you are not going to experience the wonderful life that your parents lived in this free country because it's no longer at that point going to be free it's going to be martial law you're going to see the destruction of an easy lazy american lifestyle it's coming it's 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 happening even as i'm speaking to you the economy is contracting at the fastest pace ever in history there will be major shortages and there will be famine and death in america so this is a heads up listen but listen with seriousness even if it's disturbing to you, don't turn the radio off. If you have the guts, listen. Jesus has come back from Jerusalem and he makes his way to the southern part of the sea of Galilee. There's a Roman city there by the name of Tiberius. I've been there. I've stayed there in a hotel. It's right on the sea of Galilee. It was built by Herod in order to have a non-Jewish city. Jerusalem was considered to be the backwater place. Tiberias was considered to be the hustle bustle of the prosperous city. And of course, Peter, James, and John all lived in that northern part. They all lived around Capernaum. Now there's a, a mount there. It's not really a mountain, it's a hill. Today if you were to go there, they would call it the mountain of Beatitudes. There would be a a planting of banana trees. A great multitude was following Jesus because they had seen his signs. They'd seen what he had done, the healing of the sick. Then Jesus went up on this mountain or this hill. There's really no mountain around the Sea of Galilee. He was sitting there with his disciples Now the Passover was near. Jesus, having lifted up his eyes and having seen that a great multitude is coming to him, he says to Philip, From where will we buy bread for so many to eat? Well, the scriptures tell us that he was saying this to test Philip, that he knew what he was going to do. He'd already planned it. When he says a lot of people were coming, there were crowds, 5,000 men plus probably another 5,000 women and children. This is a crowd of about 10,000 people, and they're spreading out on the mountain, on the hill below him, and he's up on the top where he can sit and teach them. Philip answers him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for them that each one may have just a little something or may have just a bite of food. 200 denarii. This is big money. A denarii is a laboring man's labor payment for one day. 200 days of a man laboring would not even begin to pay. Well One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, he said to Jesus, there's a little boy here. He has five little barley loaves and two little fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, have the men sit down. Now, there was a lot of grass there, and there still is today a lot of grass there. The men reclined, about 5,000 of them in chapter 6 of chapter of uh, john jesus took the loaves and after having giving thanks he distributed to the disciples and then the disciples distributed it to the men who were reclining probably in groups of about 50 each then he took the fish in his hands and he began to break the fish apart and the bread was multiplying in his hands, and the fish was multiplying in his hands. He passed it all out. The people had all they wanted to eat. And then he says to his disciples, you gather up the pieces having remained, that nothing may be lost. So in response, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves, that were left over by the one having eaten. Why 12 baskets? Because there are 12 tribes to Israel. And he's saying there is enough to feed all of my people. The men, having seen this incredible sign that Jesus had just done, they knew they had not seen loads of bread and food arriving on donkeys. They knew no semi-trucks had pulled in with loads of food to be unloaded for the people. They knew it had all flowed from the hands of Jesus. They're astonished. They don't understand how this is possible. It totally changes the way they look at food. They had not worked for this food. It was given to them from heaven. So they're ready to make him king, to force him to become king. Now, Jesus, knowing that they were talking about making him king and declaring him king, he withdrew. He left his disciples behind with the crowd to talk with them. He withdrew alone to the mountain to pray. Evening was coming. Jesus had not yet returned from the prayer time. They didn't know where he had gone. And finally, they said to each other, look, we better get in the boat. We better head home. And so they got into the boat And they began to row in their small boat. They began to head to Capernaum. Now, it was already getting dark. Jesus had not yet come. I'm sure they had much to talk about. They must have been utterly astonished that food could flow from the hands of Jesus. This is something otherworldly. This is something they've never heard of before or never seen before. It was one thing manna fell down from heaven by the ton for the children of Israel in the desert. But this was food flowing, appearing in the hands of Jesus. And they were astonished. Now the sea, the Sea of Galilee, it's really just a big flat lake, but it's very susceptible to the winds picking up and kicking up the the waves. This wind was blowing down out of the mountain. Having rode about three or four miles, they're watching and suddenly they see a man out on the water, walking toward them in the dark, probably seeing him in flashes of lightning. He's coming toward them, and they're sure it's a demon spirit come to kill them. They're terrified by this. But Jesus calls out to them over the wind. This is a supernatural calling out as well. A normal man could not have walked on the water and a normal man could not have made himself heard in the whistling, blowing of the mighty wind. He said, I, I am. You must stop being afraid. And they recognized Jesus' voice. They were willing to take him into the boat and immediately, that is, As soon as he stepped foot in that boat, it arrived at the location in Capernaum. The next day, the multitudes began to search for him. They found no way Jesus could have taken that boat because they were watching They knew the disciples had gone alone. So finally, when they can't find him around Tiberias, they head to Capernaum. They found Jesus. Verse 25. This is John 6, verse 25. After having found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, how long have you been here? They're still talking to Jesus like he's a, a regular, normal man. You know, hey, what's going on? How long you been here? When would you get here? How would you get here? These are the questions they want to ask Jesus as they want to establish rapport with him. But Jesus, as he did with Nicodemus and with many others, cut right through all of their world concerns. And he said, truly, truly. Now, this phrase is used in the Greek to say, look, I'm very serious about what I'm going to say to you. Let's cut right to the chase. I want you to hear this. Truly, truly, I am saying to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. In other words, the signs were designed to tell them that this is God who is speaking to you. This is Messiah. They just blew right by the sign that this is Messiah. And they went straight to the lifestyle flesh. And Jesus says to them, You only want me because of what you're getting in the flesh. Now a lot of people after the COVID situation developed began watching church service on their on their YouTube on the internet. I speak with many people who don't attend church anymore. They just watch it on the internet. Why would they just watch it on the internet? Because they're interested. They're not committed. They want their lifestyle. They can watch on the television and then they can have some breakfast while they're watching, they can relax. They can sleep in. And then then they go off in the afternoon and and do whatever they want to do. They punch their ticket with the television. Some of you now don't even watch on the television or on the Internet, the YouTube. You do once in a while. When When you have a chance, you'll catch it. But what's your primary concern? Very simply, you're interested in what you can get out of it. And some of you have finally concluded you can't get very much out of your church, and so you've blown it off, and you're not going at all. You don't go anywhere. Why? Because you don't get anything anymore. The sermons don't touch you. There's no conviction of heart. You're good to go. You're you're working on your lifestyle with your family, with your wife, with your children. You're much more interested in going to a baseball game or a football game. You're much more interested in going to the fair or to the to the fall festival. You're more interested in going to that restaurant that you love. You want food that satisfies, fills your, your soul, your, your personality. You want to go hiking. You want to go fishing. You want to go boating, sailing, power boating. You want to go to Annapolis. You want to do something fun. You want a break. You work hard all week. Now it's time for some fun church isn't fun. Oh, pastors have tried very hard to make it fun. They've, they've got these cute little skits and they've got the music and they try to juice you up with the praise and worship music. Interesting. Jesus never tried to juice people up with praise and worship music. They sang a hymn as they left the communion service, the Passover just before Jesus' crucifixion, they sang a hymn and then they went out. This was not getting juiced up with some hip-hop music. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Verse 27, Jesus cuts it right to the heart. You must stop working for the food that is perishing, but for the food remaining for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. In fact, God the Father confirmed this one. He's saying, look, stop working for food for your lifestyle. I would guess that most of us were taught go to school, get an education, get a good job, get married, have children, enjoy your grandchildren, look forward to when you can retire and you can travel the world. After my late wife... Jan passed on to Jesus. A friend said, Ray, I want to set you up on a blind date. No, I'm not interested. Oh, come on. Okay. So I met this woman for dinner. And we sat and talked. And she told me what she was looking for. She said, I have a lot of money. I am extremely wealthy. And she said, I'm looking for a man who will accompany me as my partner and travel the world with me. We just want to go and have a good time together. I said, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to work until I die and transition then into another land because all of my loyalty rests in another place in heaven. Well, that freaked her out. She said, well, then you would not be very comfortable with my sons. I said, why is that? well, they're both homosexual. I said, no, I would love them if that were right. But yes, they're sinners and they're hell bound. And so no, they wouldn't be comfortable with me because I'd spend my time talking to them about eternity, not about lifestyle. Well, needless to say, I've never seen her again or heard from her. That was the end of the conversation. I want you to hear what I'm trying to say to you today. Many of you have spent your whole life and are even doing it now, struggling with your job, which you may hate, but you're there because it affords you a certain lifestyle. It allows you to buy that new car. you know I discovered a long time ago when I bought my first Mercedes when I was just out of seminary i've I bought a mercedes, and then, for a number of years, every year, I sold my Mercedes and I bought a new one. But you know what? I finally concluded. Any joy they might have given me was only very, very temporary. It was not something that would last. I remember one day I I parked at the far side of the parking lot. I came out and I found that someone had come and parked on the far side of the parking lot beside my car and had dinged my door. It drained all of my excitement for my perfect Mercedes away. Stuff in this world does not bring us eternal happiness. Many of the young people today who are out hiking and camping, who are living in a van, they're searching They don't want the same old American lifestyle of growing old in the grind of today's employment. I understand that. They found a way out of that rat race, but now they're in another kind of rat race. Now they're in a lonely place. And they seek out beautiful, lonely places to travel like Northern Washington State and and Utah, Glacier National Park, places that I'd love to go visit. But they seek them out with a lonely, questing heart. They don't want to be tied down to another man or to another woman. They just want to be free. Why? Because there's a yawning hole in their heart. And it is most satisfied when they can look upon natural beauty and learn how to be alone without other people. An existential Loneliness that they find peace in. Jesus is saying, don't work for food that's perishing, but for the food remaining for eternal life in which the Son of Man will give you God wants to give you that eternal life. What is that eternal life? It's not an eternal questing for filling the whole of our heart. It is literally where we stop working for lifestyle and begin to enter into Jesus Christ as a person, where we abide in him. If you didn't hear yesterday, please go back and listen to this whole message on remaining in jesus resting in jesus abiding in jesus and how you do that by making very specific covenants with god about how you're going to live it's not a permissive lifestyle it's where you begin to understand that you're living for eternity and you take responsibility in this world to transition into that place of eternity. You know, I come to you today, I'm not working for lifestyle. I work for Jesus Christ. And and you say, Oh well, Pastor, that's easy for you because you're a pastor. No. No if you're working in a factory, if you're working in a hospital, if you're working anywhere in the world in work, and God uses that work to flow resources to you, he's saying, do not work in that place for lifestyle. Work in that place for the kingdom of God. Bring forth the kingdom of God in that place. Don't work for food. For lifestyle, that's the command of Jesus. Now, why would he say that? Well, some of you say to me, God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, the reason God doesn't answer your prayers is you have not made an arrangement with Jesus to enter into him and in a disciplined, real way begin to abide in him And we spoke yesterday about the basic disciplines of the Christian church throughout the ages, the reading of scripture, prayer, not not a 30-second arrow shot at heaven, real prayer. Real prayer starts after the first hour. Could you not wait for me, Jesus said. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Fasting. Fasting does wonders to disconnect you from this fleshly world and giving money to the poor, providing for others. Oh pastor, I, I can't give I'm I One person said to me this last week, Pastor, I'm just barely making it now, and you think I should give ten percent to Jesus? Yes, I do. That's what the scriptures say. Read Malachi. That's a minimum amount. So those are the basic Christian disciplines that we follow. All serious Christians follow those disciplines. But I'm talking about something even beyond that. I'm talking about entering into a covenant as I have, that I will receive nothing from anyone except Jesus Christ. If he moves to provide for me, thank you. I will wait upon him, but I'm not going to go ask for an increase in salary. I don't get salary, but you hear what I'm saying. I'm not going to go and and ask this person or that person to help me with these finances. No, I go to Jesus. I pray, I wait on him, and he answers. Because I abide in him, I remain in him, I walk in him. I'm not, I'm not after food for this physical life. Yes, I had a wonderful breakfast this morning. Thank you, Jesus. But that's not what I work for. I work for food that lasts for eternity. This is not ephemeral. This is not hard to understand. A place of abiding could be as simple as By God's grace I won't I won't curse anymore. If you cuss and swear, it may be as simple as I'm not going to complain anymore. By God's grace, I'm not going to complain. By God's grace, I'm going to find at least one person every day that I can help. Through encouragement, through witness, I'm going to do something every day to reach out to somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I may not use his name publicly, but I will in my heart know this is what I am giving to Jesus today. For me, a place of abiding is that constant place of the prayer closet and the reading of Scripture. Standing on a promise of God for something very specific that I need. Well, all of us need food. And Jesus says, stop working for the food that is perishing, but for the food remaining for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. You're going to have to read John, the sixth chapter. You're going to have to... Think about what's written here. You're going to have to begin to pray and say, Jesus, please forgive me. My focus has been on how I could have a better lifestyle, how I could stretch my money, how I could figure out how to get that new car, how I could pay the bills for the family. and then how I could find places where I could escape into the media or into the entertainment of this world or into a novel. I confess, it used to be I would escape into a novel. When I was tired, I was going to read a novel. But it finally dawned on me that I was reading lies, and I don't like lies. I want truth and jesus christ is the truth some of you some of you guys and mainly gals are very caught in romance novels fantasy world some of you guys are deep into science fiction and fantasy you can stop thinking and stop feeling you can escape But when you come back to reality, everything is still the same and nothing has been solved and nothing has been changed, except you've recaptured a little bit of energy and now you go at it again and you beat your head against that wall until you die When will you be willing to stop beating your head against the wall of this world and trust in Jesus to hold his hands out to you and multiply from his hands the bread and the fish and feed you for eternal life? Aren't you tired of working in this world for this meager pittance that you can get here? Or let's say you've made a million dollars. And now you want to start on your second million dollars. Why? Because you can. You're miserable. Your marriage is not cutting it. Your your kids are rebelling. There's no peace. Just go work. Your God is work. Working for your lifestyle, enjoying your lifestyle. You love your truck. You got that new $80,000 unit, and you drive around and feel like a man when you're driving it. Guess what? They're not going to bury you in that truck. Somebody else is going to get that truck, and they're going to go trucking and say, oh, look what I got, and I didn't pay very much for it, and I'm now a man. I've got a truck. Such stupidity. Such empty-heartedness. Such empty-headedness. jesus is saying stop working for the food that is perishing but for the food remaining for eternal life which the son of man will give you we've got to start crying out to jesus and saying jesus would you give me the bread for eternal life would you multiply in your hands what i need for eternal life will you feed me jesus Now these wicked people say to Jesus, what do we have to do to do the work of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you may believe in whom that one sent. In other words, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Believe that he is the gateway to eternal life and there is none other. So they said to him, well, What sign that we may see that we would believe you. Our fathers in the desert, they ate the bread that came out of heaven. In other words, they ate the manna. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, again, a very serious statement is now going to be made. I say to you, Moses has not given you bread out of heaven. But my Father is giving you the bread out of heaven, the true bread. For the bread of God is the one coming down out of heaven and giving life to the world. Ooh, you want life? The doctors aren't going to give you life. They're going to give you death. The doctors are not giving you life. Life comes from the hands of Jesus. Life here and life eternally—they come. It comes from the hand of Jesus. And they said, "Well, Lord, give us this bread always." And Jesus said to them, "I. I am, the bread, of life. The one coming to me, may by no means hunger." and the one believing in me may by no means thirst ever. But I said that to you, that even having seen me, yet you believe me not. This is the issue. We want to work for food that we can see and taste. We want to work for food that gives us a little bit of relief from the knowledge that we're going to die. One vlogger said it finally dawned on me that I'm going to die and so my question is have I lived and their answer was I have lived if I have traveled the lonely places of the earth and made peace with my death well hey wait a minute making peace with my pain is not the answer some of you have made peace with your miserable life Jesus is saying look come to me let me take over your life let me feed you bread that will that will bring to you eternal life start reading the scriptures turn off the television turn off the internet Lay your cell phone aside. Stop watching the TikToks. Stop going to Instagram. Stop going to all of these places. Pick up the Bible and begin to read and learn about who I am. Read the book of John. Read First John. Begin to understand there is a life that is to come, but it's not just a life that is to come. In the future, it's a life right now where he will provide the finances you need to live. We're right there at the edge of eternity. Jesus is coming. The atomic bombs are going to blow. Our culture is collapsing. Every wicked and evil thing is being spread amongst us. In all of that mess. Jesus will give you peace. If you will stop working for food. That perishes. For lifestyle. And begin to focus your energy and your time. On food that lasts for eternity. I read yesterday the story of Reese Howe, A man in his 20s late 20s. He is working as a coal miner at the face of the coal mine with a pickaxe 12 hours a day. But every night he is in a revival meeting, a cottage meeting, where they are praising Jesus and seeking after the Lord. Some of you think it's too much to show up just on Sunday. Oh, pastor, I, I I can't drive that far. Oh, you can drive that far for a baseball or football you can You can fly like my neighbor all the way to to California for for a football game. What's your interest in Jesus? How tired are you of the lifestyle of the rich and the famous that you live now? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying. Are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready to turn to him and give your life to him and and confess that he is your Lord and your Savior? Are you ready to give up working for food? For lifestyle? Some of you are hunkering down and you're saying, oh, all right, I don't have the same income, but I can make it. What are you talking about? Out of Jesus' hands flows bread and fish, food for your physical body. It's not hard for Jesus to supply your physical needs. What's hard is for Jesus to supply you with eternal life when all you want to work for is lifestyle here on this planet. He's saying, Please stop please come to me. Jesus knows how to give us food and water, clothing. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be given to you. Stop struggling for life here and struggle, if you must, for eternal life. A life with Jesus. I pray that this has been helpful to you today. Write to me. National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com You'll find there a -a 24-hour-a-day radio station that has broadcasts and music. You can go to that webpage. It's uh, revivalnow.church or you can go to it from our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can also support this ministry on the webpage, or you can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Our producer today is my dear brother, Kevin. I want to thank him for an awesome job. It's always good to talk to a brother in Jesus. And that's what I consider him to be. So thank you, Kevin. Awesome job today. And tomorrow we're going to continue in the book of the gospel, the book of John. We're going to go into some pretty deep water. I'm going to further discuss this issue of transferring from working for food that does not last for lifestyle to talking about the food and how we eat it that lasts for eternity God bless you my brother my sister I'll talk to you soon
1: Before the presence of his glory with great joy